0: And time to go to our personal finance expert, Mary Holm. Hi there. Hello, Jesse. Nice to have you. It feels like ages since we chatted, eh? It hey? has
1: been. Yes, you've been staying away or something on yeah. Thursdays. Not, not intentionally, <laughs> Mary, I promise. <laughs> oh, good.
0: And uh, today we're talking about shares. Yes. And um, I'd encourage people, too, if they are listening to this conversation and have um, questions or concerns about shares, Feel free to get in touch and we'll see if we have time for some questions towards the end of the interview. But you can text me on 2101 or you can uh, email me, Jesse at radionz.co.nz. And if your question is too complicated, Mary's not afraid to say, hey, let's answer that one another time. Indeed. Um, but today you're going to talk a bit about why you're sticking with shares for the long term. We got an email from a listener which I forwarded to you. Um, And it was quite a stern email, Mary. You're used to getting emails like this.
1: (laughs) I am. I like them. They're good. And the
0: the listener said, Mary's insistence on risky shares as the best path to retirement security is disputed. And then he quoted from a recent Listener magazine article, which says, Conventional wisdom says you should go for indexed share funds with low fees. But surprising new research suggests People who put their money in the best cash accounts are more likely to be better off. The research compared returns from an index fund investing in the UK's 100 biggest companies. And cash moved each year into the one year deposit account with the highest return. And as a rule, all dividends and interest were reinvested. And it found that in a majority of investment periods since 1995, 21 years of research, money in the cash deposits produced a higher return than the indexed share funds. And over the whole 21 years, from January 1995 to January 2016, cash would have produced an average annual return of 5%, compared with just 6% on shares. The 1% difference is far lower than the 3% to 8% typically quoted for the, quote, risk premium of investing in shares. Mary, I've been reading your columns for 20 years and you've always said shares are the way to to go index funds are a great way to go about shares and we'll have a separate session about index funds sometime in the next few weeks but it's really advice from people like you that this is aimed at isn't
1: it yes yes it is yeah yes I've um you know when when I first read this email I thought oh this is interesting, um, and went and not all of that information was in his email. I went back to the listener article and um, and sure enough, they found i mean it's not at all uncommon for people to say that over a short period over a year or two or five years even I would have been better off in the bank than in the share market, and that that's often quite true i mean not more often than not it's not true mm-hmm. but but, but it's easy to find often.
0: examples where yes. you've been we you have been wrong can, yes, can you you may be going to do this anyway but i don't quite understand when they say cash deposits do, do they just mean putting it in the bank
1: i th- it, it was english research and i've done by a chap called paul lewis who's on bbc radio 4 so he's i think i gather that he's not really a full fully fledged academic and so his research might not be as rigorous as some as some of the academic research, anyway. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Mm. But um, the thing was that he, he was saying over 21 years, and that's a long period. And um, we should note that that as you just read out, that shares did do better than cash over the whole 21 years, but only marginally better. Mm. So it wasn't as if they did worse. But but, but sorry, Mary, what um, what do
0: we mean by cash? Is it just putting the money oh, in the bank? In the bank, yes, yeah. he's,
1: yes. He's talking about. Um one year term deposits, I think is the the way you know they call them something slightly different in england okay. but, and and basically, what he sort of theoretically did is each year he went and had a look let's say it was January the first at which bank was offering the highest interest rates this year and moved his money theoretically into that bank mm-hmm. um which is a bit of a hassle, but but not a huge hassle for people. You know, if you're only doing it once a year, that's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Um, I, I just wanted to say at the start that I've been saying quite a lot on this programme and elsewhere that cash isn't as bad as people think it is. Cash being bank term deposits, bank savings accounts, isn't as bad as... People think at the moment, even though the interest rates are low, because it's still quite a lot higher than inflation. I've said this several times before on this programme, and that's the key thing, that at the end of the year, your money will buy more than it did at the beginning of the year. And so people shouldn't get as upset as they do about the fact Mm. they're only earning 3% or whatever. It's just not much Um, on income,
0: is it? No,
1: that's right. No, indeed, if you're counting on that for your income, it's it's not very good. Um, But I've always said shares beat cash over the long term, and so this research really interested me, and um he acknowledges up front that there are some sort of issues about the about the research uh and concludes that the lessons for the future are complex, so he's not saying because of this research, therefore everybody should just keep putting their money in bank term deposits over the long term. He's saying, you know, it's more complicated than that. Um, And he also acknowledges that interest on cash is now low. Over the 21 years, there were times when it was really quite high. So if we're looking at what we we might do from here on in, interest is very low. That's true in England, even more than in New Zealand, but it's true here as well. And he also acknowledges that in more recent, just in the last few years, the fees on index funds have gone down. Index funds are, just for those who aren't quite up with them, they're my favourite sort of share fund. They're, they are funds that invest in all the shares in a share market index. So they they're very widespread investment, and they're cheap to run. The, the, there are no managers deciding which shares to buy and sell. They just put the money in, in the Fixed
0: proportions menu. of, say, the top 40 shares in New Zealand or the top 100 yes. shares in the UK, so a computer can really work it out. Yes, they're not making any just, choices.
1: That's right. and And so they're very cheap to run, and the fees are very low, and that's where... They've got their big advantage that they, and that especially over the long term, fees make a big difference. And this chap, Paul Lewis, the the researcher, acknowledges that the fees are now quite a lot lower than they were 21 years ago, and during that 21 years. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, okay, the last 21 years, interest on cash was higher than it is now, and fees on index funds were were also higher than they are now, and therefore. The difference, you know, if if you extrapolate it ahead, you might not necessarily get the same results. Mm. And I fully agree with
0: that. And, and David um, texts is, texts in and also points out maybe did capital gains tax in the UK make a difference to his calculations? That's too. a very
1: good point. Mm. I don't know about capital gains tax in in England. No. Okay. Um, I do in America. It's horrific over there. You've got long term and short term capital gains. Um but i do know that in in this research the cash didn't wasn't taxed for some reason i had something to do with the english tax the returns on the cash wasn't taxed. right and you see that, that make would a make big a big difference, difference. in yeah. new zealand you can lose you know up to a third of your interest as I, in, recall, in tax. as
0: I recall, they have um, savings accounts over there. They've got a special name, which are tax-free. What would they yes, be Yes, it
1: might be. Uh, I it want to might say PI, but it's not
0: PI. But there's a word. PI is the New Zealand word. Yeah, there's an acronym. Um, um,
1: I don't know what it is. Yeah. But some, some listener will probably there tell There are us, some but, advantageous um, ones
0: you can use up to a certain yes, point, as I understand. Yes. And some
1: of them are probably for retirement savings, I think. Mm, I mean, there's a be. lot of... A lot of other Western countries have give you tax breaks on retirement savings, In New Zealand we don't, as such, but we have KiwiSaver instead, which has what's called a tax credit, but it's actually nothing to do with tax. I still oh, wish they'd never called it that. I don't know where that came from. Mm. Uh, but anyway, that's that. In England, it's quite the ta- they had a tax break you wouldn't have in New Zealand, on this sort of comparison. Um, my more serious concerns about the research are that the particular 21 years he looked at happened to be quite unusual in that there were two big share market crashes in the, if, that affected Britain. And we, we're talking British shares here, don't yeah. forget. Uh, there, there was the global financial crisis, and then earlier around um, the turn of the century, there was another crash. And Paul Lewis himself has said, oh, look, it wasn't that unusual a period, but other people, that have, there's been quite a controversy online about, this research and others have said well yeah it was and um, if you look at other long periods in different countries around the world this result is an unusual one okay is is what we're really saying and also um, he used a UK share market index fund and I would use a world index fund that's what I've most of my long-term savings have been in world index funds for um, decades and Mm. and are still there And they um, over that particular 21-year period, I went back and had a look, and and UK shares didn't even quite double over that 21 years, whereas world shares nearly tripled. So if you'd used a world share fund instead of Mm. the UK one, you would you would have got a bigger difference. In, Again, the, you
0: yes. uh, keep promising we will chat about index funds at yes. some point, and you'll explain Next how. Next time, I uh, hope actually. Ha- how, yeah. <laughs> you'll explain how it's possible to invest in a world share market sounds very complicated yes. from New Zealand. Well, we Particularly just, someone who's only yeah. got a thousand bucks. How am I ever going to invest in a world share market? But you'll explain how. That's yes, done. yes, it's, mm. it's
1: it's it's easy. Okay. It's just a single investment that gets you into the the biggest shares in the world. Yeah, so that'll yes. be two
0: weeks from today.
1: Yes, that's what we're scheduled to do. Yeah. Um, I you know, I've always said, too, that there are various ways to invest in shares, and one of them is try not to put a lump sum of money in on a single day yeah. and try not to take it out on a single day. It's far better to drip feed it in, which is what people automatically do in KiwiSaver anyway. They're, they're trickling their money in every payday or every month or yeah. or, or whatever. Um And, and in fact, I don't think many people out there in the, in the world of putting lump sums into the big lump sums into the share market on a single day. I mean, if you sold a house, let's say, and you are expecting to buy another one within six months, don't put it in the share market for no your sake. It's, you really want to be in there for ten years, or yeah. and certainly not for a few
0: months. But if you decide yeah. to get out of property and you've got ten years until retirement, yes. your advice still wouldn't be sink it all into the share market. You might put it into. A, We'll put some of it into a term deposit and put a little bit in the share market now, some in six months' time, mm. some in a year.
1: I would tend to say, to, yes, to drip feed it in somewhat. Mm. Um, the counter-argument to that is some people say, look, shares do give the best returns in the long term, just get the whole lot in there. But what you don't want to do, I do, just don't agree with that because currently, for example, the New Zealand share market, I, I heard you talking to Catherine earlier this morning about it, and she was saying you know, it's looking a bit toppy, as they say, at yeah. the moment. Um and it is. It's, it's had a very good run. And, you know, so you don't want... So it could, you know, it's probably more likely that it, the share market will dip now than it would have when there hadn't been such a good run mm. lately. And um, so I wouldn't suggest anyone, if they had a lump sum, put the whole lot in on any one day, you know, maybe put a quarter in now, a quarter in in three months, a quarter in in six months, and a quarter in in nine months, something like that. Mm. So you spread it out. Uh, somewhat and leave the rest parked in a bank term deposit in the meantime. Um, whereas this research is assuming, they assumed that you did put a lump sum in on a, on January the 1st and then took it out 21 years later on January the 1st. And that's right. a sort of artificial way of doing doing it. Um, I, I Also, I always say, um, if you're planning to spend the money within less than 10 years, don't go for a full, fully share investment. You know, yeah. perhaps a a balanced fund or something like
0: that. It's an important point, people, if you uh, miss everything else. (laughs) Yes. If you're going to spend the money or you're going to need access to the money within 10 years, stay away from shares. Stay
1: away from fully shares. Yeah. If If it was, say, five years, between five and 10 years, when you expect to spend the money, you might put it in... A balanced fund, a KiwiSaver balanced fund, if you've got access to the money, or a non-KiwiSaver, fund, which is very similar. And that'll hold some shares, you know. So you, I'm not saying don't have any share investments mm. at all. But you'd want them – that would be watered down in a balanced fund by some some more conservative investments so that if the yeah. share market does do badly, it it's sort of countered by these – other investments.
0: Yeah, someone's so. pointed out that uh, account I was trying to think of in the UK is called an ESA account. And, oh, yes. uh, <laughs> British people can save up to £15,000 without getting any tax on their savings. Is that right? It's yes. good, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. I don't know if that's what
0: no, maybe this not.
1: guy used. To, I simply don't know, but it it, it did say in, in the literature that it, it wasn't taxed, mm. and that, does, that makes a heck of a difference, okay. actually. So if you replicated that experiment in New Zealand and use our conditions and put your the share money into a world index. I would not suggest a New Zealand index. I would not have, if I'd been talking to him about this research, suggested a UK index. It's not a good idea to go into... One country. No, it's just you're just introducing risk. You don't need to diversify. So, yeah, good old the good old diversification. Yeah, diversify
0: among industries, diversify among shares, diversify among countries, diversify among markets. You're right. As you've far got, as you can you've spread got it. it. Yeah, you got
1: it, Jesse. Um,
0: which 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 brings an interesting point because Sarah has got in touch and said this all sounds good, but I mean, what's the minimum amount of money that I need to invest in shares? Um. Do you want to cover that today, or do you want to put that aside? Yeah, up yeah yes, yes.
1: Well, we can. I, yes, we can quickly cover that mm. now. If you um, go into a share fund, an index fund, or some other kind of share fund, you can put quite a small amount in. Um, if it was within KiwiSaver, you could be. You can put any amount, in. you can put five dollars mm. in. Um, or and if you, but if you want access to the money before you turn sixty-five, if you are savings, let's say for a house or something like that and you didn't expect to be able to buy it, which is the case for quite a lot of people, yeah. uh, within the next ten years, yeah. then you might you might go into a share fund. But if you go into a go to a Kiwi Saver provider and ask them for a non Kiwi Saver fund, because they all also run similar funds that are not Kiwi Saver, you can typically put in quite small amounts. I mean just a few hundred to start with or or they'll let you do drip feeding where you just put in um a hundred a month or something like that so you don't need yeah. big money to go into a share fund if you were going into shares directly where you go to a share broker and buy shares in in Fletcher building or or in New Zealand or some mm. particular company you need more money because uh, there's brokerage charges that are quite high minimums mm. and all of that but yeah. your advice yeah.
0: is don't bother with that anyway find a Not find, find share, a list yeah. of kiwi providers find yes. the one that you like, and then go with them, but don't do the yes. whole KiwiSaver thing. Say, I just want to start up an account, and you can do that.
1: Yes, mm. that's right. Okay. Un- unless you've got, you know, 100000 or more to invest, in which case you might go directly into shares, but I don't think most of the listeners have probably got that just sitting around at mm. the moment, um, wondering what to do with it. Okay, so yeah. why
0: do you say shares then? You know, yeah, why, if yeah, it's look, more than 10 years, why yes. shares? Yes,
1: it's, it's basically because... Shares, the the way the markets work, and I'll just go through this in a minute, you're automatically going to get a higher return in shares than you are in a low-risk investment like bank term deposits. It's automatic. And let me explain that a bit. Um, there are two types of returns on shares. One is the dividends you get, and that's your share of the profits. If you're in a share fund, the share fund manager will be collecting all the dividends and putting them in, into the into the fund. But... Each company each year will decide whether or not they're going to pay a dividend. Usually they do, but not always. And it's, it's it might be five cents a share, ten cents a share, something like that go, goes out to the investors, including the share fund managers. It, it can be quite a low dividend or none at all, and that can be a sign of two different, very different things. One could be that the company's doing badly, it's not making any profits, so it's got nothing to pay out. On the other hand, it might be that the company's doing really well and it wants to expand and mm. grow and build new factories or whatever, hire a whole lot of new people, needs the money to grow, so it doesn't distribute a dividend for that reason. So, you know, just because it's the dividends are low doesn't mean it's doing badly. But anyway, that's one type of return you'll get over the years is your share of the profits. Did, coming you,
0: did you say once that New Zealand pays quite high dividends yes, compared to other places? That's in the world. right. Mm.
1: It pays. Some of the highest in the world followed. I think Australia's, you know, somewhat lower than us, but still quite a lot higher than England and America mm. and so on. Um, and there's all sorts of theories as to why that is. Mm. It's, it, it's become a kind of it's partly tax driven because in New Zealand, the, the the tax system's set up so that you don't get double taxation of dividends in yeah. some other countries. You do where the company pays tax on the profits and then it turns around and distributes mm. that there's post-tax profits to you and you as a shareholder pay tax again. Mm. And New Zealand government, in its wisdom, said, and I don't mean that sarcastically, it was wise, <laughs> <laughs> said, um, some time ago now, I think, I'm think not sure when, but maybe 20, 30 years ago, yeah. um, that's not fair. And so they have what you call dividend imputation, and what that amounts to is that there isn't double taxation mm. of dividends. And so that's partly why I think New Zealand companies put more of their money out into dividends Mm. rather than keeping it to grow the company. So dividends are one way that a company gives you a return on investing in shares and the other way, of course, is gains that you make. If you buy the share for $2 a share and you sell it for $3, you've made a gain. And, um, in New Zealand, that might or might not be taxed. It's the same as it should be taxed if you bought with the intention of selling at a profit. That also applies to houses. It, it's a funny rule. Um, usually, it will be taxed, and and in a um, share fund, it will be taxed. Yes. So, that, but but nonetheless, you still, you know, you're still getting two thirds or more of the gain to keep. So those are the two ways you get returns: ones on dividends and ones on gains. Now, if shares are unpopular, let's say. All of New Zealand read that article in The Listener or read about Paul Lewis's research online and said, I don't want to be in shares. Gosh, you know, you can do better in bank term deposits. And enough, if enough people don't want shares or sell the shares they've got, share prices are going to go down. So shares will become cheap. Mm. And the lower the price, the higher the potential gain is for new people coming in to buy shares, and I'll explain that in a minute. So you want obviously want to buy at a low price. I mean, we want to buy everything at a low price. We want to buy our apples at a low price, mm-hmm. and we also want to buy our shares at a low price. Sometimes it's difficult to know whether the share price is low. You can look at how it compares with how it's been in recent years, but the thing is, the lower the price, then the bigger the chances are that you'll make a big gain. If you buy it at one dollar a share, you know you're more likely to make a gain than if you buy it at two dollars a mm-hmm. share. that's intuitive and also with the dividends let let's say that if the company's paying five cents a share in dividends and you've paid a dollar for each share and you're getting five cents on the dollar, you're getting five percent return on mm-hmm. on your shares. but if you bought the share for only fifty cents. And the company's paying a five cents dividend well you're getting a ten percent return in other words the ch- so the cheaper the share is, the higher the dividend return is going to be, everything else being equal mm. and the bigger the chances are that you 'll make a big gain on it so so that 's kind of neat when if shares are cheap um, and that's and what that 's what happens if shares get unpopular, fewer people are buying them, the price goes down. And then people start getting smart and say, gosh, you know, I should get into this. Um, and they see that the, you know, there's quite likely to be higher returns on shares than on cash because the share market's down, it's cheap. I should just interject here that hmm. a lot of people are a bit afraid to buy when the share market's down. They think, oh God, it's gone down, it's going to keep going down, I don't want to buy right now. And that's where the smart people, which are often um, professional investors rather than rather than you and I, because ordinary people are very reluctant to buy. I mean, if we'd rushed in and bought after the 87 share market crash, the huge New Zealand crash, we'd all be so rich these days mm. if we'd rushed in right right after it. Um, but, but anyway, once the price goes down, after a while the savvy people start saying, this is a really good time to buy. And that, of course, as they start buying, it pushes the price back up, which enables them to sell it again. In other words, it, it's... Um, the whole thing, it, it's actually sort of automatic what happens. Whenever people don't think shares are worth the risk, they say, no, no, we're going to stick with cash, share prices will fall to the point where you're likely to make much better returns yeah. on them from the dividends and from the gains you make, if you see what I mean. So the market's going up and down, mm-hmm. and it will automatically adjust... To the point where people are saying, "Oh gosh, this is just looking too good a deal." Uh, you know, there's such a good chance I'm going to make some money out of this that I'm prepared to take take the risk. Mm-hmm. And that it, it's a, you know, it's like Adam Smith's invisible hand in the economy. It it just happens because you know the markets are free to set prices and shares. It's a very free market mm. and. Um, whether people, whether listeners like free market forces, they don't work in a lot of contexts, but in the share market they work really well, mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to make it work so that in the long run you do get a bigger return for taking a
0: risk. So if that's yeah. making sense to people, yes. what advice would you give them before going into the share market?
1: Um, first of all, make sure you, you really don't think you're going to be spending the money for 10 years. Um, Or more, And I mean, usually I was just thinking as I was driving in here that it's nearly always for retirement savings that people are putting their money into shares. Because Mm. if you are saving for a house, say, you're usually hoping you're going to be able to buy one within 10 years. And um, saving for a holiday, hopefully that's going to be less than 10 years away. It's hard to sort of picture other reasons why most people are going to be wanting to save a fairly large sum of money other than for retirement. And, and you know, for many, many people, they've got more than 10 years. And don't forget, even if you are 65 or 70 even, um, you still, some of your savings, you still, let's say you're 70 mm. and you're healthy and you're expecting to live to more than 80, it's still a good idea to have some of your money, mm. the money that you're planning to spend more than 10 years away in shares, because usually it'll do better than cash deposits. Even in this case, it did better. Only one percentage point better, but still better. Mm. And often it'll do much better. You you just have to look at the numbers over the Mm -hmm. years. When, you know... Thinking about this, I thought, "Gosh, I've been—I I did my MBA in the late '70s and early '80s, and put my money in what little I had then in index funds back in the late '70s, and have left it there and fed more in over the years and watched heaps and heaps of research. This is one pipsqueak little bit of research done by someone who's not, um, you know, not got the academic credentials. So, as I say, I don't know that might be an unfair." criticism but it's still it's only one piece of research over one period and it's Mm. in the UK and it shouldn't change it it doesn't change what's actually really happening out there in the world Mm. yeah
0: okay so make sure you do it for at least 10 years the other thing is don't panic right
1: yes yeah look you mustn't yes that you've got to diversify for at least 10 years um diversify put it in for at least 10 years don't panic And and bail out, yeah. One other little point I just wanted to add to this is whenever you get anybody on on air or in in the media or, or at conferences or wherever talking about what's the best type of investment for them, very, very often they're in one industry or another and they've got, um, they've got something to gain by selling you property, by selling mm. you shares, by selling you bank deposits. I haven't. All I want is for people to do as well as they can, yeah. because why not? And so I'm not, this is not biased by me getting rich from it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe you should, Mary. Maybe that's where you're going wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so be prepared to go with the ups and the downs, because the other thing is, you know, if I've got $100,000, yes. it might be all I've got saved. And I think, well, if I put it in the share market, I could lose it all. And, you know, in a couple of years' time, things start to crash, and I think, oh, gee, I don't want to see my whole life's work being eroded. Let's get it out now.
1: Diversify. That's where diversification comes. And uh, very few companies actually go right out of existence on the share market. After the 87 crash, they did, because there were companies in New Zealand that were created to invest in other companies in New Zealand, and and they – fell like flies you know it was Mm. it was but the whole thing was just stupid in the 80s people borrowing to invest in shares and these days you don't get many companies like that at all you get companies that are actually making products Mm. producing services they'll go down and every now and then they'll collapse but not many will and the the vast majority by the time they're big enough to be listed on a stock exchange are big enough robust enough that they'll go down they have bad times but they'll come back up again
0: Mm. Okay. yeah uh, we will talk about index funds in two weeks' time. Yes, yeah. indeed. And that's about how exactly you should get into the share market. So if you've been convinced by today's conversation, <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time when Mary comes in, we'll talk about how you might approach it, and there'll be one that you won't want to miss. Nice to see yes, you.
1: Yes, thanks, Jesse. I should just say, index funds are also sometimes called exchange-traded funds. They're not exactly the same, but similar. So okay. that topic yeah. All right. Yeah.